0: Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word peace to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text peace to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God.
1: So the Cincinnati Bengals have traded the 42nd pick to the Denver Broncos. And with the 42nd pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select
0: Drew Locke, Missouri. Okay. Let's go, young fella. SEC, baby. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast
1: with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now, it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my beleaguered partner in crowd been cranking <laughs> out content the last... Call it 24 hours. You know him. You love him. As your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 sports, he is Zach Kellerman. Zach, it has been a whirlwind of a couple of first days of the draft. We're going to dive into it, but wow.
0: Wow is right. I'm still catching my breath from all this, Chad. I mean, the, the way this Broncos draft has fallen for John Elway, I mean, the stars could not align anymore. And in terms of content, I mean, you and I both are very blessed to have this job. So it's it's a wild weekend, but it's so much fun. It's one of those things where,
1: you know, they tell you, maybe you heard it from your uncle, or maybe even you're blessed enough to have your parents tell you something like this. But if you can find a job that, that it doesn't feel like work when you're working, that's how you know you you lucked out and you won the lottery. Right. And I think both of us feel like that, um, you know, that's us. And it's thanks to you guys. It's thanks to our, our readers, our listeners, our VIP subscribers that we get to do this. Because if we didn't have an audience, it'd go away overnight. We'd probably still be sick maniacs and still do it, even if no one was listening. I mean, that's how I ended up getting into this gig in the first place. But anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into this thing. We're going to talk about here, halfway through the show, we'll talk about who... Get the mile high huddle hat in our giveaway from the iTunes reviews. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. But Zach, we got to dive right into this. And I think that Nick and Carl did a good job. Not that we won't talk about no offense in our pod here. But I think Nick and Carl did a good job of kind of analyzing the angles and the gut reaction in their podcast from uh, yesterday. So let's jump immediately into the day two proceedings, and then we'll kind of tie it all in together as we dive in deeper into our conversation. But the Broncos, of course, you know, to kind of set the stage, they had traded back from pick 10. And we had talked about that as being a likely possibility, if, depending on how the top 10 fell, that the Broncos could trade back. And that's exactly what they did. They jumped back with Pittsburgh to pick 20. They got a 2019 second-round pick, which was pick 52, and a 2020 third-round pick to jump 10 spots back. And then, of course, they took Noah Fant. Now, fast forward to day two, Zach. The Broncos hold pick 41, pick 52 in the second round, and then, of course, pick 71 in the third round. Now, as the draft started again on Friday night, all eyes, I think, most eyes, let's say, in Broncos country were on Drew Locke. What's going to happen with Locke? And as each pick began to go off the board, it became apparent that at 41, if the Broncos really wanted Drew Locke, he's going to be there for the taking. But Elway wanted his cake and wants to eat that sucker too, took Dalton Reisner at 41, and then traded picks uh, 125, and I think it was 182 in the sixth round, to move up, along with 52, to move up to the very next pick, 42. To get Drew Locke. So what we're talking about here, and this is this is the coup that Elway has pulled off in the premium rounds here, the 2019 draft sack, is he got his, let's say, the best receiving tight end in the class, right? The most athletic, the most explosive receiving tight end. Then he fills, and that fills a need, and then he fills another need by grabbing a plug-and-play starter at right guard in Dalton Reisner. Then he gets the quarterback of the future. He's already set the stage for what the expectations are going to be with Locke. We'll talk about that, but What was your immediate reactions to the way the first two picks on day two unfolded for Denver?
0: Uh, The best way I can put it was a lot of people wanted the Broncos to take Drew Locke at 10 and then trade back into the first round for Reisner, and I understand that. But they got Reisner at 41 and Locke at 42, oh, and Noah Fan at 20. I mean, whether or not you agree with these picks, Chad, the value in this draft is ridiculous for John Elway. And that's two years in a row where he stuck to his board, stuck to his guns, didn't reach, and it turned out great for him. As a GM, as it relates to Elway, I mean, he's really turned a corner in the draft, and it kind of showed this year that. That. Gary Kubiak maybe didn't have so much influence. Maybe he was Elway growing up. But I I do love uh, these picks, obviously, giving up a couple mid-rounders for a potential franchise quarterback. That's peanuts. You're getting, like you said, a plug and play starter, right guard, who is one of my, if not the favorite prospect in the entire draft class, who I talked about the combine, a Colorado native, a great, great competitor, perfect fit for Mike Munchak. I mean, like I said, it just fit perfectly. It aligned perfectly. And he killed it. There's no other way to put it.
1: One thing I thought was interesting is, you know, fans include, and I'm included in this conversation. By the way, I was irritated that not not necessarily that he traded back, but that he chose to pass on both Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke at ten, Elway, and then again at twenty. I mean, I was happy to get Dwayne, or I mean, I was happy to get uh, Noah Fant, but that he passed on him again. So that's twice on day one he passes on Lock, and at that point. What it looked like was that, hey, this is all about building around Flacco and competing in 2019. I'm loading the deck. I'm doing everything I can to stock the cupboards, give all the groceries that I possibly can to Vic Fangio so that he can cook up a phenomenal meal for Broncos country. That's how it appeared. It was focusing on the now. Then you get to round two, and it's lock. And it wasn't just, okay, now we're here, we'll take lock. You could tell that that was the right value for them. They saw an opportunity to not only get Reisner, but by trading up with Cincinnati to 42, it showed that it wasn't just kind of a second thought, you know, like, all right, I guess we'll take Locke. Clearly, Elway had been keeping tabs on Locke, wanted to see if he would be there in the first, you know, let's say 10, 12 picks in the in the second round. And here's why. He talked about it in his press conference immediately following day two. And we're recording this literally on the heels of Fangio and Elway walking off the podium. He talked about the expectations. And I think that's a, that, that being a second-round pick, you don't have those first-round expectations. Even though your name's Drew Locke, and even though everyone projected you to go in the first round, heck, the top 10, you don't have, Zach, those first-round pressures and expectations on you, which, talking about a guy maturing in his job, right, John Elway, growing up in, in the role, so to speak, that's a guy learning from his past mistake with Paxton Lynch, who clearly— was not ready for the scrutiny, the pressure, the expectations of being a first-round guy, Elway seeing that and going, look, I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I like Drew Locke. If he's there in round two, it's probably going to be a perfect fit, and he made it happen.
0: Yeah, Chad, I I was going to make the same kind of point that there's a different perception when you draft a quarterback in the first round versus the second round. And he was the top quarterback on Elway's board regardless. So Elway wanted him. But there was reports that came out that Flacco didn't want to be pressured by a first-round quarterback. He wanted to be the Broncos' Understood, quarterback. That it's no doubt about its starter. And getting a guy in the second round says, "Listen, we didn't burn our top pick. We're not having a guy look over your shoulder." Elway immediately came out after the selection and said he's going to be the backup. He quelled any sort of quarterback competition. So it's all about perception and placating Flacco. Flacco, excuse me, uh, while also building for the future and getting your potential franchise quarterback, a quarterback who checks all of Elway's boxes, his top quarterback on his on his board, one of the best, like you said, a top 10 prospect at one time for relative peanuts. Uh, I just I, I love the, the short-term aggressiveness and the long-term success, succession plan. I think that's where Elway is showing the, mo- the most growth as a GM.
1: I mean, I honestly have to question whether or not someone slipped me some acid in my coffee this morning, <laughs> actually starting, starting yesterday because – for Daniel Jones, in the in a world in which mm. Daniel Jones goes number six and Drew Locke falls to pick forty two, I mean, we'll take it all day long, twice on Sunday. I mean, that's a that's a massive blessing from the football gods. But it's just a sick irony in th- that Daniel Jones would go <clears throat> before Drew Locke. To me, that I, I'm still just shaking my head and mystified over that strange feat. And I guess you just got to tip your cap to Dave Gettleman, the GM there in New York, and say, you know, knock yourself out. The Broncos, though, figured to benefit from that decision with Drew Locke. And it kind of reassured me, Zach, the, the Drew Locke pick, that John is not just kind of a uber-focused, sick maniac about winning now. I mean, obviously that's how he's kind of, that's that's the kind of decision-making and thought process that has governed his, his tenure as the front office guy in Denver, it's mostly been focused on from the time he went out and got Peyton Manning, and it's kind of informed everything thereafter. It's been about winning now, and it kind of felt like the way he maneuvered in the first round, even though, as I wrote in the Gut Reaction article after the fact, he got good value in the trade back, and then he got a blue-chip player. It felt like he was saying, you know what, throwing all caution to the wind, we're all in on Joe Flacco you know I'll worry about the future when that day rolls around and it reassured me Zach to see that look no I am going to signal I'm going to affirm to the to Broncos country that I do have my eye on the future right I'm I'm hedging my bet in essence on Joe Flacco and setting the team up for the long term by bringing in let's face it he's a first round caliber quarterback in the second round which it's not just about appeasing fans don't get me wrong it's showing that you have more you know in your focus and scope than just the present because that's part of being a GM. you got to balance both. you got to balance fielding a competitive team now and and building a team around the need to win now with also winning from now on. And we've heard him use that that cliche in the past, I want to win now and from now on, this move today and the way he has maneuvered in this draft shows that he means that this time. He means he's he wants to win now, Zach but also from now on.
0: You know, the thing about the Giants is I don't like Daniel Jones. Obviously, he went way too high. Everyone laughed at that pick, and rightfully so. But I got to applaud Gettleman for having the the balls, the cashews, to go out and get his quarterback and not be afraid and not risk that quarterback being snatched up by another team like the Redskins or whoever. And Elway essentially waited another round, another day, but did the same thing. He gave a few later picks, and he moved all the way back up to having consecutive picks back-to-back to to get his guy. I applaud it. I like it a lot. Um, He was the best quarterback for the Broncos system. He can sit and learn behind Flacco, and he talked about a perfect mentor for him uh, with a perfect offensive coordinator and Scangarello. And like you said, Elway, to show that he cares about the future and to show that he's already not so focused on keeping the Broncos a contender while looking in the mirror and taking ownership and saying, we're kind of going to have to enter a transition eventually. Flacco's not going to be around for 15 years. Drew Lock might be. And it also coincides, Drew Lock's contract, with Elway's contract as Bronco's general manager. I mean, by the time that Elway could be looking for a new deal, Drew Lock could be taking over and he could buy himself some more time. So, in more ways than one, Elway did very, very good tonight.
1: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the great things about it, another thing I wrote in the gut reaction is that you know you're hedging your bet if you're John Elway on Joe Flacco because you did roll the dice. I mean, the compensation that they gave up a fourth round pick. I mean that's that's not that's nothing, right? It's not a premium pick. It's not a top three rounds pick. But he's paying him eighteen and a half million, and even though it's a series of basically three one year deals, the way this contract is structured, his pay Flacco it balloons in 2020 to over 20 million, and then the next year 24 million, and so not only are you hedging for the future and all that, but you're protecting yourself and giving yourself options. So let's just say, I mean, we've we've talked about the schedule. The Broncos have a long road to hoe. On the surface, we went through it 9-7. and seven. That's kind of where we ended up. But both of us are like, look, you know, we're going to need more time to figure out where this thing lands, see how these teams on the schedule, what they do in the draft, how things are looking in training camp for the Broncos, how the preseason shakes out, and then we'll revisit. But I think we're both, it's safe to say, you know, in an optimistic sense, nine and sevens about as optimistic as you can get. probably eight and eight wouldn't shock me if the Broncos finished just under five hundred two at like seven and nine. So let's say that happens. Let's say Joe Flacco comes in and he's just not enough. you know he's lost the the uh, mustard on his fastball, so to speak, and he's just never going to be that player he was from two thousand and twelve to twenty fourteen That's out the window it's gone it's way of the buffalo that's it. The Broncos now have the cap flexibility, not that they didn't before. They they could, even without having drafted Drew Locke, they have the flexibility with that contract to next January make a decision on Joe Flacco and get out from under him, cut him if they want to, they could trade him or whatever, but they could cut him with zero cap ramifications in terms of dead cap and try and find the next solution if they wanted to. But what this does is it gives them an insurance policy, and I love that. They're not... If if it, it's another seed of mediocrity, you got Drew Locke marinating under the wing of Rich Scangarello. It sets up perfectly if things don't go exactly ideally the way the Broncos want in terms of the win-loss column for Drew Locke to take over in twenty twenty, as to use Flacco's terminology, the understood quarterback in Denver with the Broncos cut and bait with Flacco. Now I honestly, I'm telling you now, I hope that's not what happens in terms of the way the Broncos season unfolds. But even if the Broncos have a good season, Zach, and Flacco just shows signs of wear and tear down the stretch, or let's just say Drew Locke's blowing everybody away behind closed doors on the practice field, he's impressing his coaches, and 2020 rolls around and they want to pass the baton onto him, this in other words, they have the options now, and that's what's exciting. That's what really makes me feel a lot more confident in Elway's vision for this team. Not so, you know, maniacally bent on winning. Now he's putting future things into into the conversation.
0: It's definitely exciting. I mean, for the first time since Chad Kelly, there's hope for the long-term at quarterback for the Broncos, and even doubly so because Locke is, is way better of, of a polished prospect as Chad Kelly. And to further your point, Chad, you talk about Flacco's salary and how expensive it's going to be. Everyone knows that. But last year's 42nd pick, uh, the Dolphins' tight end, Mike Giusecki, signed a four-year deal worth $6.6 6 And that's what, based on the rookie weight scale, Drew Locke will sign for. So you're getting him for nothing. You want to talk about uh, playing your way into a long-term succession plan, to have that under center, and, and, and assuming he pans out as your starter, that is nothing. That's great control for Elway and great flexibility and leverage for him going forward with his contract.
1: That's true. That's absolutely true. I mean, you know, I think in a perfect world, Maybe you want to trade back into the back end of the first round so that you can get that fifth year option on the quarterback. But if Elway's going, look, I don't want to put that first round, you know, type of scrutiny and expectations on Locke's shoulders, having learned from the past with players like Paxton Lynch, and he prioritized that over controlling the player for one additional year. That's fine. I can get behind it because maybe that's the way it needs to be right now in Denver. You know, maybe Drew Locke will be better off kind of settling into his role, so to speak, as a backup, learning from a, an experienced guy. I mean, Joe Flacco, obviously he's not the sexiest quarterback uh, in the NFL, but he's a guy that has been a 10-year starter in the league, which is an accomplishment in and of itself. He's won a Super Bowl. He's got 10 playoff victories, seven on the road. And so not only will Drew Lock benefit, of course, from learning from the likes of Rich Gangarello and T.C. McCartney, the quarterback's coach, but he's going to be watching – you know he's going to be watching one of the better quarterbacks of, of this era play. I mean, if you've won a Super Bowl, you deserve to be in that conversation as one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the league. Now, we don't necessarily need to go back to Donald Trump's tweet about Joe Flacco being elite and all that. Sure. I'm not saying that, but the proof's in the pudding, and that is that he won a Super Bowl. He's got 10 playoff wins. And so Drew Locke gets to benefit from learning at the feet of a guy like that. Now. On on the same token, I don't expect Joe Flacco to offer too many helping hands to, (laughs) to Drew Locke because, you know, lessons learned from his last year there in Baltimore, so to speak, and he's a competitive guy. So I don't expect him to necessarily go out of his way to mentor Drew Locke, but just being there and observing the way he conducts himself as a professional, the way he, you know, leads the team, the way he operates in the film room, the way he interacts with coaches, the way he studies and prepares, all that can shake off and rub off, so to speak, on Drew Locke to benefit the Broncos long-term?
0: You know what? About the fifth-year option, it doesn't even matter. Because if Drew Locke pans out, if he hits his ceiling, uh, he'll be re-signed to a long-term deal well before his fifth year. I mean, look at Mahomes there. And that at that point in a couple years, if he becomes a Broncos franchise quarterback, that is money well spent for Denver, and a check that LA will be very, very happy to rate. That's true. That's
1: totally true. And you look at teams in the past who have taken quarterbacks in round two that have gone on to at least flirt with the franchise label, the franchise caliber label, guys like Derek Carr, guys like Andy Dalton. It just turns out that you pay those guys heading into year four most of the time, right? If they are worth – if they've panned out at all, you end up paying them heading into year four usually. Worst-case scenario for the Broncos is he plays out his four years, and similarly to what happened with Brock Osweiler – you if you're not able to get him locked down or there's not enough information to inform your decision to try and get him locked down, say Joe Flacco just crushes it or whatever, and you know the Broncos sign him to a one year extension or whatever it might be, and Drew Locke just doesn't quite get his chance. Because let me remind everybody, Brock Osweiler sat for three and a half seasons before he got any meaningful playing time. If it turns out to be a situation like that, then so be it. You know, you, you try and pay him in the spring heading into his contract well, following his the, the the conclusion of his contract year, you negotiate, you offer him all the money in the world if he is or has shown and proven himself to at least have that type of upside in him through what he's his works, so to speak.
0: And we know what's nice is there's no rush. I mean, there's no rush, no quick feeling to throw them into the fire, no trial by fire. They can have a veteran under center. They can have a true mentor, and they can have a kid who still needs some work, who still needs some seasoning, learn on the bench behind a very seasoned quarterback, behind a very um, up-and-coming coordinator, up-and-coming quarterbacks coach, and they can do it right. It's an ideal setup. You know, Elway talked about the, the Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre dynamic. It could be the same thing. You never know. If things pan out perfectly, that transition can carry the Broncos the next decade. I mean, they could be set up for the long term. So uh, taking this chance now, L.A. had a swing for the fences, and he might have hit a home run. We'll just have to see. Yep. And it's just it's showing
1: early returns on this class is that the Broncos are stacking back-to-back quality draft classes. I mean, if the first four picks in this class are any indication, it's looking like, it's going to be back-to-back quality draft classes, and that's what the best teams in the league, if you want to look at the teams that suddenly come out of nowhere to go from like worst to first type of type of situations, it's those teams that have managed to stack one or two, cl- or you know, a couple of classes together, and then usually the stars align with the right coach entering the scene at that same pivotal point. And that could be what's happening here with Vic Fangio and Rich Gangarello and Mike Munchak. And, I mean, that's how it's setting up. So it'll be interesting to see. And we still got a lot more to talk about, obviously, and react to the first couple of days of the 2019 draft for the Broncos. But first, let's just take a quick break. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll announce the winner of the giveaway for the best review on iTunes, and then we'll finish our conversation, and we'll reveal our grade for the Broncos in the premium rounds thus far. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All
1: right, Zach, without any further ado, let's announce – the winner of the giveaway. We're giving away a Mile High Huddle hat, some swag, of course. It's cool hat, it's orange, it's got the Broncos colors, it's got the Mile High Huddle logo, and it's going to the reviewer that goes by 787 Dawn. This review was was left on February 5th, 2019. I'm gonna read the review, but before I do, let me tell you how this works out: 787 Dawn. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna tell you what my email address is. You got a week. respond to me let me know you listen to this podcast and say hey that was me uh you know somehow i gotta prove i I don't think it's gonna be a problem but let me know it's you okay i'll leave you my email address it's milehighhuddle at gmail.com milehighhuddle at gmail.com let me know it's you and then what i'll do is is i'll coordinate with you behind the scenes to get your your shipping address and i'll get this hat out to you okay but if a week goes by and we don't hear from him we're going to go back to the pool and give it away to someone else. So 787 Don, congratulations. You're the winner on this. Appreciate you supporting the cause to heating our calls to action and leaving a creative review on iTunes, but make sure you holler back at us uh, at milehighhuddle at gmail.com so that we can get this coordinated to get to you. But here's what he said, Zach. He said, of course, five-star review. Thank you very much, Don. He says best Bronco podcast, hashtag Broncos country quote, I've listened to all the Broncos podcasts over the years, and I think Zach and Chad are easily the best by a country mile. They're knowledgeable, entertaining, passionate about the Broncos, and always give listeners a balanced take on wins, losses, coaching searches, free agency, and the draft. Some podcasts and radio shows tend to go negative early and often, but you don't get that here. The hosts don't sugarcoat things, but instead analyze the Broncos in a way that's always informative and enjoyable to listen to. This is now my go-to place for Broncos news and analysis. Give them a listen. Close quote. So that's a review. We picked that. That was the one that jumped out to us. But here's what we're going to do. And congratulations to you, 787 Don. What we're going to do moving forward, as we mentioned in the in a previous podcast, is we're going to be getting some merch made up, huddle up podcasts, official merchandise, some hats, some shirts. We'll figure out exactly what the swag is going to be. And what we're going to do is we haven't decided exactly what the time frame is going to be, but we'll say – you know, once a month or twice a month, whatever, whatever it ends up being, we're going to give away hats and and swag. It'll be to people who follow on, on Twitter. It'll be to VIP subscribers. It'll be to reviewers on iTunes. So to the listeners who are the most engaged with the show, the most loyal and steady and consistent participants in what we're doing here, those are the people we're going to try and find in terms of giving away the swag. And uh, of course, we'll probably find a way too, to put it up for sale for anyone who wants to buy it. But that's what's on deck. So, Zach, congratulations, of course, to 787 Don. Make sure you email me, Don, so that we can get this out to you.
0: Yes, thank you for all your support. And for everyone who's left a review, thank you so much, guys, for all your support. We couldn't do this without you. We love bringing you this podcast uh, almost daily, pretty much daily, and we love uh, updating you on your favorite team, the Broncos. So uh, thank you for that review. Thank you for all the reviews. Keep it coming, and we'll be keep cranking out the content and the pods. All right, let's talk about Dalton Reisner. Now, you had the report,
1: obviously, not long after Reisner was selected. Yes. Elway tweeted out kind of where he fits in, or at least oh, there's a public quote. I'm, I can't remember now. Everything's kind of a blur with how much content we've been cranking out. But you had the report, which kind of shows what the Broncos are thinking. He's a, He doesn't necessarily uh, – they don't project him to be a tackle right, off the, right out of the gates, but he has the versatility to be a swing guy, which is one of the plus and bonuses of Dalton Reisner. The team views him as an interior player right now, Zach.
0: Yeah, I mean, he told me at the combine that he's comfortable playing across the offensive line, center guard tackle, and he just wants to put people in the dirt. I mean, I love this guy, and he's going to be a stud at right guard. That's where his position will be. Uh, they'll leave Connor McGovern at center, replacing Matt Paradis. And that line, Chad, on paper, with a little Munchak magic, that's a top 10 O-line. Everyone stays healthy. Everyone plays up to potential. They can get a little uh, consistency all around. That is a great offensive line. I love this pick so much. Um, it almost seems like it's too good to be true. As a hometown kid, still on the board, fell right in their laps, able to get him. He's a day-one starter, maybe a perennial pro bowler. This is a safe pick for the Broncos, and it's to be an immediately beneficial pick for them.
1: It's just football serendipity, baby. Sometimes things work out the way they're supposed to. It's written in the stars whatever cliche you want to use, but it just feels like this was meant to be, and I agree with you. I mean, going into this, the dream was, in fact, I mocked in one – I did two official mock drafts, one with the Broncos taking a quarterback at pick 10, one without, and in the second one I did with the Broncos not taking a quarterback at pick 10, I mocked Dalton Reisner to the Broncos at pick 41, and I said there, look, I don't – you know, this will be a dream if he's there. I used a simulator, and he was on the board, so I took him. But both of us, Zach, we said, look, if he's there, it's a no-brainer, but don't get your hopes up because odds are this kid's going somewhere on in the back end of the first round. And the Broncos were lucky. There was just some bizarre picks in the first round. We can start with the Raiders taking Clellan Farrell at pick four. Uh, not that he wasn't a first-round caliber player, but he certainly wasn't a top-five player. Okay, that was a bizarre pick. You had the Daniel Jones selection at six. You had the Titus Howard pick, Caleb McGarry later on. Just some weird things, the way it unfolded. And the Broncos benefited from that because it pushed not only Drew Locke, who we've already talked about on today's show, but also Dalton Reisner to within their grasp there at 41.
0: And what's interesting was there was a major run on lineman, Chad, right before the Broncos pick. I mean, Cody Ford went, Jawan Taylor went. There was a lot of linemen going consecutively, and it seemed like Reisner was the next domino to fall there. So for him to last a 41 is amazing. I-, I was not opposed to Denver trading up. I didn't want Elway to trade up in this draft too much, but this is one guy that I would not be opposed to do it. And for the Broncos to not have to give up any capital and still get this guy a day-one starter, uh, it's just it's terrific value.
1: The man's just, he's a badass. I mean, he's a three-time team captain, one of only five players in Kansas State history to be named a three-time team captain. And even though it was at right tackle last year, he did not relinquish a single sack on the quarterback in his past sets last year, I mean, which is phenomenal. And that's according to Pro Football Focus. He only allowed five hits on the quarterback. He's mean, he's tough, he's powerful. I really look forward to seeing him perform inside. But what really makes him that much more exciting of a player and why the Broncos crushed this pick is because he is a leader and he's a positive guy. And he's – I just – the way that that can influence even a guy like Garrett Bowles who sometimes kind of feels like, you know, we've talked about at times, a sense of entitlement, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed, maybe lack of direction. We hope that Mike Munchak can whip him into shape quick. But the presence of a rookie like Dalton Reisner who – you know, he's not necessarily going to be granted the, the starting job. He's going to have to earn it in a technical sense. But the Broncos clearly project him as a starter at right guard right out of the gates. He's going to get in there. He's going to work his butt off. I mean, he talked about at the Combine how his dad told him right out of the gates when he was working or playing peewee football as a child that, you know, be a leader, be a great person off the field, you know, do your thing. But on the field, it is all about business. you got to approach this like this is how you put food on the table. His dad was a football coach. This is the message that his father's telling him as a child. And it informed his play. It informed his leadership style throughout his entire playing career all the way up to going to Kansas State and now to the Broncos. And the Broncos get the benefit of all that kind of practical wisdom, right, and that leadership moxie. I mean, how often do you see Zach a player – and we're not talking about like a sexy quarterback calling his shot, you know, Peyton Manning rolling into his top 30 visit in Indy and saying, look, if you don't draft me, I'm going to whoop your ass for the next 15 years. Hmm. I mean, it's one thing for a quarterback, a player in high demand and projected to go top one or two to kind of call his shot. We're talking about a an offensive lineman who, you know, just, just in the most flattering terms, let's just say, you know, maybe a top, not top 10 prospect, but top 10 offensive lineman. He's, you know, he's somewhere in there, right? For him to to will it, I mean, to will himself to the Denver Broncos, the team he grew up rooting for, his home state team, so to speak, you can't quite say hometown team. Right. Like you can't in a general sense, but it's his home state team because he's from Wiggins, Colorado, not Denver. For him to pull that off, I mean, we can talk about serendipity and all that stuff and the way the stars align, but so much of that, Zach, was a guy who was groomed from the very beginning, peewee football by his father, and willed himself to land in Denver as a professional, as a second-round pick in 2019. I mean, it's just—I just look forward to seeing how that type of of leadership, commitment, motivation, wherewithal—to say nothing of his actual playing ability—how that can trickle down to some of the younger players. Not only a guy like Garrett Bowles, who you know has a couple years uh, in the league in terms of experience on him, but guys like Sam Jones too, even Connor McGovern, who's a three-year going into his fourth year. That can pay so much, I mean, the type of dividends that can pay is, right at this point, you can't even quantify it. it. It all has to go come together. We talk about things being on paper and you can't get too head over heels over things, but these are the type of impact, the, the intangible impact that a guy like Reisner can, can provide the Broncos.
0: You talk about him willing himself to Denver, but he did it with such humility, Chad. At the combine, he was addressing everyone as sir, and he was talking about how he would be grateful for any opportunity, and he was giving everyone a chance to talk. He is so respectful and so polite and so well-spoken. Uh, he's a he's a great player, but he's an even better person. And you made a great point. He's going to be a, such an um, important boon for someone like Garrett Bowles, who has a little, I think, maturity issues, whereas Dalton Reisner is the antithesis of that. He's a very mature guy, well beyond his years. So to have that counterbalance on that offensive line, and you have a Colorado guy blocking for a Colorado running back in Denver, I mean, what's not to love about that?
1: Absolutely. Two awesome hometown, home state heroes making their way to the Broncos. It's a phenomenal story. And a guy like Dalton Reisner, I mean, I'll just never forget. Here's what I'll say, and then we'll move on to Draymond Jones. I'll never forget when we're chilling there in the media pit waiting for the offensive linemen at the combine to roll up to their respective uh, podiums. And so we kind of coalesce around Dalton Reisner, Zach and I. The dude stands up and he's got of course there's a there's a placard that shows his name so that media knows who's gonna be where, kinda telegraphs that for us. But he stands up, even knowing his name's right there on the podium. Dalton Reisner he stands at the podium, announces himself by name, speaks with you know confidence, authority, charisma, and as you said, he's just such a intriguing young player. I look forward to his career with the Denver Broncos. He's he's going to make some hay, I think, for, for John Elway. Now, let's move on. We've already talked about Drew Locke. I still want to get your thoughts on Noah Fanzak. But first, let's talk about Draymond Jones. The Broncos had him in for a top 30 visit. And this was kind of bizarre because most of the time the Broncos do top 30. Elway talked about this in his press conference Friday night. They don't usually end up drafting many of the players they visit with in those top 30 visits. This year has been quite the exception. So it's interesting. Draymond Jones was brought in. Elway talked about, Zach, the ability of Jones to come in. They really liked his ability to come in and push the pocket as a pass rusher from the inside.
0: And, you know, remember when Fangio said that sometimes visits mean nothing and they could be smoke screens? Well, that in itself was a smoke screen, so that shows you how up and down topsy-turvy draft season could be. Um, I, I had a feeling they would go to the trenches on the defensive side here with this pick. I like it. They need that interior presence. But what does it say about Demarcus Walker now? I mean, a second-round pick from a couple of years ago in a different regime. Uh, he didn't perform too well. He was always in the doghouse. Uh, it doesn't really bode too well for his his playing time this year, though with uh, Wolf being a free agent, Goss is coming up, it could be good depth for them, and he'll be in nickel packages, Draymond Jones rushing. So the more the merrier on the defensive line, uh, especially with the injuries going on and uh, a new nose tackle taking over.
1: Dude, I honestly think that Vic Fangio coming here might be the one thing that could save DeMarcus Walker. And the reason yep. why is... It's a misconception that Fangio's bringing in the 3-4. He's not. It's a 4-3 under scheme. And we are currently at milehighhuddle.com working on some film breakdowns to kind of help our VIP subscribers understand what the main difference is from an X's and O's perspective between a 3-4 and a 4-3 under because it shares a lot of the same philosophies, but it is different. And one of the ways it's different is, you know, you look for different things from your defensive lineman in such a scheme than you would say in a in a Wade Phillips three four attacking one gap type of scheme. So DeMarcus Walker, he might have a role as a true defensive end this time, instead of just a nickel edge rush or nickel pass rusher for the Broncos interior pass rusher. He might have a true role as a backup defensive lineman behind a Adam Gotsis or behind a Derek Wolf. We'll see where Draymond Jones fits in himself as well. But I remain relatively—I'm I'm not quite ready to write DeMarcus Walker off yet. I still have a, a small streak of optimism, and I think that bringing Vic Fangio in, bringing Ed Donatel, it could portend well for him.
0: You and I are bigger Walker fans than most, I believe. So it's not it's it's pretty clear that we're rooting for him here. Uh, but what scares me is that Fangio admitted he doesn't like to watch tape much. So he didn't watch Vance Joseph's years, and it's a shame because he didn't watch Demarcus Walker play well when he was on the field. And he's going on his own observations. So they just had a, tr- a mini camp. And now they go out and draft Draymond Jones so if he has a negative opinion on Demarcus Walker yeah. if that happened it doesn't obviously bode well for his playing time but they can put it all together and this defensive line now with Shelby Harris, Derek Wolfe, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker you can really get after the quarterback it's obvious that Fangio and Donald Tell are going to have a lot of pressure packages and uh, a lot of new, uh, new toys and chess pieces to work with here
1: absolutely and Zach didn't mean that Fangio doesn't watch film he meant that just to specify what Zach meant there is that Fangio didn't want to go back and watch film on the current roster so that he had, he didn't want to form any preconceived notions that might be wrong. He wanted to start from square one unless it was a player that the team had to make a decision right. on going into free agency like Brandon Marshall or Darian Stewart. He watched film on those guys. but so you yeah, relied on, the,
0: on his eyeballs for the most part.
1: That's right. Yep. And not that you wouldn't rely on your eyeballs watching film, but he wanted to be there, interact, get the – you know, the live experience working with these guys in person as opposed to watching film in someone else's scheme under someone else's direction and coaching. He wanted to get that vibe, so to speak, uh, for himself. So Draymond Jones, very exciting player. Our Eric Trickle had him graded in as a late second-round player. So, again, great value, Zach. The Broncos managed to get him at pick 71 in the third round.
0: Yeah, and it's, that should take care of the defensive line now. I think when they go back to the draft or just still keep on the defense, still keep on that front seven inside linebacker, got to address the secondary Chris Harris Jr. is up in the air, but it, the game starts and ends in the trenches, Chad. They picked Reisner and they picked Draymond Jones. Those are two premier players. Those are two obvious high day two talents, and uh, the value, like I said, is just tremendous in this draft.
1: All right, let's talk really quick about Noah Fant again. Nick and Carl's podcast diving in on this topic was a great listen but uh, Noah Fant he is I mean you could I think it's kind of an erroneous notion that he's not a good blocker because if you go watch the film breakdown from Carl Dummler that he published on Friday for VIP subscribers the dude can block it might not be his forte but you don't get through an entire college career at Iowa without learning some blocking acumen there is a foundation there and Zach, he's a phenomenal, explosive, fast—you know—he can stretch the seam as a as a tight end, move him around the formation. But he also presents value as an inline blocker, and he's going to. I mean, he's I, the Broncos clearly viewed him as a as a more complete tight end than I think some of the pre-draft tropes would lead some fans to to believe. And even Vic Fangio said in his um, you know kind of explaining what he liked about Noah Fant after talking about his uh, explosiveness and his speed, called him a competitive blocker. That's a foundation that the team can build on.
0: Yeah, and Elway said it at the Combine that they've been searching for this complete tight end for years now, and they tried the last couple years with Jake Budd and Troy Fumigali. and Noah Fant, he wasn't my preferred option at 10-chat or in the first round. Ultimately, he was kind of lower on the list, but... You could do a lot worse than having a guy who's drawn comparisons to Aaron Hernandez and Jimmy Graham and Eric Ebron. It just adds a new dimension to this Broncos offense, a new toy and safety blanket for Joe Flacco, a new seam stretcher, just a new whole new element. So I like the pick. Uh, they moved down and still got their man, got good value for him, got more capital, and it's going to bode well for them. I mean, if you can get a complete tight end, uh, the best arguably since Shannon Sharp, you're in pretty good, pretty good shoes. My
1: biggest concern when they traded back, it's not that, I mean, again, they got solid. At worst, they got equal value for the pick in the in the compensation they received from Pittsburgh to move back to pick 20. In the compensation they received, I had no problem there. My concern was they were going to miss out on one of the true blue chip players of the class. And fortunately they were able to get Noah Fant who is among the true blue chip players of this class. And even though, you know, TJ Hawkinson, I mean, this kid was my son. I love watching him play, and I'm going to continue to appreciate his game with the Detroit Lions. Noah Fant, he's right up there with him. And if you will go back and watch any Iowa film, and I encourage you to do so and go go read that phenomenal film piece from Carl Dummler, but if you go watch and, uh, go back and watch Iowa film, Zach, I mean, teams were not completely redesigning their scheme and adjusting to account for TJ Hawkinson. no. They were doing that to account for Noah Fant, especially as a receiver. And a lot of the opportunities that TJ Hawkinson ended up getting as a receiver in that offense, which wasn't a lot, but when he did, it was basically as a result of teams bracketing Noah Fant. So take that for what you will. He's he in other words, he's the more of a he's he's the guy that scares opposing defenses more so than TJ Hawkinson. And that's not necessarily to take anything away from Hawkinson. Hawkinson it offers similarly a completely rounded tight end out of the gates. But the Broncos now have their George Kittle for Rich Scangarello. Yep. And just the way this thing is shaken out, I mean, you, I don't think you could honestly be any happier with the way Denver's first four picks, just basing it on the premium rounds, have shaken out. I mean, all the boxes they've checked, it's been a phenomenal haul thus far, and I'm really looking forward to seeing I mean, the only bone I could pick but is they haven't been able to get the off-ball linebacker. But what do you sacrifice of the four picks the broncos have now where do you sacrifice who do you pull out of that equation to grab an off-ball linebacker i think they'll still find one later in the draft because even though they they traded up their their fourth round pick to grab Locke, they still have their two fifth round picks they have a seventh round pick so they still have some a chance later on in this class to to grab an off-ball linebacker it'll be interesting to see what they do
0: In terms of fan, I feel like he's the more – he has the higher ceiling while Hawkinson is the more higher floor. He's the more ready prospect right now. And I kind of feel like the Broncos wanted Hawkinson, and when he went to the Lions at 10, it kind of rearranged their board a little bit. I also think they wanted Ed Oliver when he started slipping. Because they also had interest in Christian Wilkins. That's besides the point. But yeah. to go out to drop 10 spots, still get that game-changing tight end. Um, it's it's. I I don't know who you would take. Not him for sure. I wouldn't take Fan out of the equation. Probably Draymond Jones. I would wait a little couple rounds longer to nab that that defensive tackle, defensive end. I go. I would went for Jermaine Pratt there. I think he went the next pick after the Broncos mm. took Draymond Jones. Mm. So that would have been my guy there. Maybe Mac Wilson. I would. Have t- I'm with you, Chad. Off-ball linebacker. That to me was more pressing need. But Overall, I mean, A-minus at least. I think Elway has killed it for the second year in a row. He's filled immediate needs, long-term needs. To get a potential franchise quarterback in the second round at 42 is phenomenal. Uh, I I can't hate. As much as I want to, I cannot do it.
1: Yeah, We will be back on Monday morning with a fresh episode. By that point, we'll have a complete 2019 Denver Broncos draft class to analyze and break down. And uh, we'll look forward to going through that then with you guys. Now, just for what it's worth. We put out a call for questions for the VIP mailbag. We were going to do that for this episode. But it just the way it shook out timing-wise, all the questions ended up being about what are the Broncos going to do in round two and three. So by the time we ended up recording, they were obsolete questions. So over the weekend, keep an eye out on MHH Insiders, VIPs listening to this show. We're going to put out another call. We'll do a makeup episode for the Mile High Mailbag for the VIPs. We'll take some questions on Monday and break down the entire complete class of your t- uh, 2019 Denver Broncos from the draft. So in the meantime, guys, that's going to do it. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Make sure you follow the show account, at HuddleUpPod. It's going to be an interesting – we've got one more day of this draft to do. Day three is on Saturday. We'll be breaking that down, so stay live with the website – Make sure you're subscribing also to the newsletter so you're getting everything in your inbox in real time as well. We still have a lot of ground left to cover in terms of seeing how the Broncos fill out this class, but we're going to be here to break that down for you. So in the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you on Monday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.